Hi, this is Shayna, and I'm here with Liz Hello. from the Birth Nurses Podcast. Thanks for listening today. Today, we're going to talk about something a little more serious, probably. A little controversial, maybe. Who us? So, uh, yeah, who us? <laughs> <laughs> talking about we're going to discuss the relationships between nurses and obstetricians today but this is going to be a little series we're going to talk about working relationships in the profession of nursing so this includes the nurse patient dynamic the nurse ob dynamic and the patient ob dynamic in the workforce because when something happens between a patient and her OB, the nurse is typically involved too, right? Right. So we're going to break this all down for you. It might be over a few episodes. Stay tuned for the complete series of this topic. But today we will focus on the nurse obstetrician dynamic in the workforce. Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shayna Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica. We are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we talk about birth and nursing practice and labor and delivery, and in a broader sense, the whole world of nursing too. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a first-time pregnant parent, a parent to one or more babies, or a professional in the birth world, this podcast is for you. Join me and Liz and special guests as we share and learn from each other here on the Birth Nurses Podcast. This is a really important topic. There is a program called Healthy Workforce, and the Healthy Workforce Institute comes into hospitals and I'm sure other corporations, but I think predominantly hospitals, to try to foster relationships between doctors and nurses. So mm. they come to all departments. And you may have heard of it out there, and it's a big program, and there's lots of meetings, and there's lots of interesting sort of topics that we cover on how to deal with microaggression, with communication. And I'm wondering if they really understand what nurses do, because oftentimes when these programs come into the hospitals, they really start with the fostering of the relationship without really understanding our roles as nurses. That's a big deal, right? Big deal. To know what each person does to know how they're going to work well together. Yeah. I read yeah. a really interesting t statistics that 71% of physicians and nurses have linked incivility to medical error. Wow. That's a lot. And that 27 of physicians and nurses said disrespect led to a patient death. Whoa. And 81% of nurses who leave an organization cite peer and nurse manager relations as a cause for leaving. Wow. So that's a lot, especially in this climate where there's not enough nurses. We need to figure out a way to communicate with obstetricians and our managers and leaders to promote a healthy workforce to keep them. Mm -hmm. From the get-go, not yeah. once things look like they're falling apart in the unit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, and you are working full-time still in the labor I and delivery am. unit. Mm -hmm. I resigned in 2021, so you're Ooh -hoo. dealing with this on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. And can you tell me and tell our listeners kind of some main issues that you're up against? Yes. You know, I've been doing this for 32 years plus, and I've been in my present institution for 25 years now. I feel like I've, I've been in the field my whole adult life since the mid-80s. 
mm-hmm. watched kind of an evolution of, you know, the more patriarchal setup of nurse-doctor relationships sure. to a more collegial relationship, which has been great. Mm-hmm. But there are always going to be those dynamics where the relationship goes south mm. or uh, you have physicians who are just difficult to communicate with, who really don't want to hear from the nurse, um, especially when we're trying to be a patient advocate. That's really That hard. is a really, really tricky part. Yep. My responsibility is to be my patient's advocate first and foremost, obviously to make sure that I'm adhering to policy and procedure and standard of care, area standards of care, not deviate from the standard of care. Mm-hmm. But to really be a patient advocate and to answer questions fairly, professionally, mm-hmm. not emotionally. And then when I convey that to, in my case, the obstetrician, mm-hmm. insert whoever you work for in your department, yeah. I don't expect to be chastised or bullied or harassed or threatened because I gave my patient my full advocacy. That's right. my job. Yeah. So when that happens, we have to sort of rethink the dynamic. Hospitals do have programs set up to deal with physicians who are committing microaggressions mm. and uh, bullying. But it takes forever to mm. get behavior changes, much, yeah. much more than it takes to get behavior changes in nurses who are doing the same thing. I mean, you also think about like how long it takes for someone to change their behavior in not the workplace, (laughs) right? Absolutely. In life. (laughs) And I have to tell you. That's why people go to therapy, right? I'm guilty of the same thing. Like I'm, I'm pretty much set in my ways. Right now I'm very, very interested. I work with a lot of new nurses who are young. I mean, decades younger than I am. And um, I know it's kind of hard to, that kind of stuck in my throat just a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit. And um, I want them to feel empowered and to be able to say, I disagree with this mm-hmm. plan of care. I am concerned that, and to go up the chain of command, to be able to be comfortable to do that, to write letters, to document yeah. so that they can protect themselves, their patients and their licenses, and really ultimately the hospital. Hey, this is Shana Brickner. I'm an international board certified lactation consultant, and I want to let you know something really exciting. I can accept many more insurances for lactation visits now. If you have Anthem, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Cigna, Oscar, United Healthcare, or TRICARE West, and soon Aetna and HealthNet, then it's likely that we can have six or more lactation visits covered by your insurance. This can be a home visit or virtual visit if you're not in LA. If the financial side of things have been holding you back from setting up an appointment with me or any other lactation consultant, don't let it. Email me or go to my website, which is www.preparented.com to schedule a visit with me for any lactation issue. This could be low or high milk supply, clogged ducts, pumping issues, latching issues, bottle feeding, tongue tie or lip tie, using a nipple shield, positioning difficulties, 
introducing solid food or even weaning. I can help you with all of those things and I would love to help you reach your breastfeeding goals. Reach out to me at preparented.com or email me and my link is in the show notes. Hope to hear from you soon. Can you give us a specific example? Don't don't use any names, of course, but of a time that you've dealt with friction with an obstetrician. Yeah, I'm actually going through this right now. Hmm. And I think that sometimes it just comes down to you have to accept the reality that people just don't like each other. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, let's just call it what it is. Right. You don't mesh. Our personalities just bang into each other. Right. Not really interesting question posed to me. You may disagree with the way this person acts or acts out towards you in the professional setting, but would you like this person cut you open? Whoa. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> you know, it's interesting, you know, in an emergency. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I have no issues with this particular person's medical ability. Mm. It's Their the scale, microaggressions. Yeah. Right. And now I've completely swung the other way. And, and anything that feels like those bullying to me, I'm addressing immediately mm-hmm. on paper. I feel like I can hold my own. You know, I've been doing this a really long time. I don't feel threatened at all. But it is wearing. And other nurses in the unit, especially young ones, are observing this. And it's detrimental to them. Because it's affecting them professionally. Right. They don't want to confront this. And it makes you doubt yourself, too. If someone is constantly nagging and Mm -hmm. being mean to you about the way you are caring for your patient, then you're like, well, it's not blatant meanness. It's little microaggressions and little bullying techniques Mm -hmm. and being belligerent and... Um, when about the calling, calling you on the phone every 30 minutes, yeah. asking how things are, like that makes you feel like they don't trust you. Yeah. And yeah. I'm able to say at this point, if you are concerned about my ability to care for your patient, please feel free to call my charge nurse and make an assignment change. Like, I'm OK with that. Mm-hmm. I'm completely OK with that. Or if you have a problem with me being in the room, observing your delivery. And the way that you conduct yourself, feel free to go up the chain of command and we'll have a sit down conversation about what I feel like I need to observe. Yeah. So my job as an older nurse or a more experienced nurse is to be able to answer those questions to younger nurses. What do I do in this situation? How do I take care of myself? How can I advocate for my patient if I'm being bullied or is that bullying going to be coming in my direction? It's like, well, when I was a young nurse, I didn't advocate for myself. I didn't really value what I did. Mm. I didn't have good, solid boundaries. And you will develop that skill over time. And then you will decide that's inappropriate. Mm. Yeah. I have a story when I worked at a different hospital, like, seven years ago Mm -hmm. there was a doctor who was asking me to do something that was against our policy had to do with increasing pitocin too soon Mm -hmm. and i told the doctor i don't feel comfortable doing that it's been too it hasn't been long enough Mm -hmm. we're still waiting for the pitocin to take action and to Mm -hmm. see how the contractions respond 
And the doctor tried to increase the Pitocin on the IV pump without me doing it. He didn't know what he was doing, mm-hmm. how to work the IV pump. And I was like, I, please don't do that. This can affect my nursing license if we go against policy. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, it could affect my license if something bad happened, you know, if this mm-hmm. labor, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and we were fighting in the patient's room and the patient told us like please go outside to finish this conversation i felt so bad but yeah well that that's a scenario that you want to avoid oh yeah at all costs but sometimes you have to basically proverbially throw yourself and sometimes quite literally in front of that moving train right it's like yeah this isn't going to happen yeah this is absolutely not going to happen. Then, of course, you know, things explode. But we really need to take care to make sure that physicians who exhibit microaggressions, bullying in the workplace, how do we not allow it to go on year after year mm-hmm. after year until it's finally an explosion where nurses are afraid and don't want to stay and yeah. are feeling demoralized. Right. You know, it's an interesting thing because we still have that matriarchal, patriarchal archetype physician-nurse relationship, mm. even though a lot of our relationships are just so great. I love working with 95% totally. of the physicians. I can talk to them in shorthand. What's going on with her? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Got it. I know what you want. Great. Okay. Talk to you later. I'll call you when I think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. I think they trust that. And I trust like, look, I know I just called you three times, but you got to do me a solid and come in and see your patient. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel comfortable yes. talking in shorthand with most of the obstetricians at this point. But the hospital has a different relationship with the obstetrician or the doctor that they have with us. Because why? Revenue. Mm. When a doctor's bringing in a lot of money. They are reticent to get into the disciplinary actions that need to take place in order to stop bad behavior. That's tough because it's bringing in the the business. The big bucks. Of the business of birth. Right. Yeah. I mean, you said so many great things about, you know, the history and the tone of being in the workplace. But can we give some real practical tips for the nurse who's listening to this podcast, for how she or he can relate to the obstetrician. Sure. First and foremost, it's important to know your audience and know and understand your relationship with Mm. the chain of command in your unit. Is your charge nurse, manager, and director an advocate for you? Have Mm. they exhibited advocacy, been behind you, had your back? That's something that's really important. Yeah. I am very into having conversations first. Yes. Sit with the doctor personally. If you have to take somebody with you, you can make it clear that this person that's with us is just here to bear witness to my attempt to communicate with Mm -hmm. you. Some doctors will just say absolutely not, and some will. If you are in a union, which I am, I really feel, of course, much more protected. i not quite Teflon code coded, but pretty close to it. It's important maybe to have a third party and say, I'm attempting to communicate with you because I feel like our relationship is deteriorating and it's getting in the way from me providing the very best patient care that I can. Yeah. 
take it upon yourself. That's a key phrase. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that um, was one, two, and three. mm -hmm. What about tip number four? You got to involve HR sometimes. Mm. You need to go into the documentation. There it is. You need to start writing letters to the CNO, that's Chief Nursing Officer, CMO, the Chief Medical Officer, and sometimes even the COO, who is a Chief Operating Officer of your hospital. Documentation is key. Mm-hmm. In nursing and in most professional settings, if it wasn't documented, right. it didn't happen. We've we all learned heard that, that in nursing school. Yep. I have had the unfortunate experience of being deposed, and I only say unfortunate in that I was able to defend my actions 100%. I have been taken to HR for you know, a big event where mm-hmm. I've had to defend myself both successfully, uh, justified my actions, thank goodness. Yeah. But in a court of law, if you don't advocate for your patient and there's a bad outcome and you tell the judge the doctor was mean to me, that's why I didn't go up my chain, you can say goodbye to your license. Right. That's not not a good enough excuse. Your responsibility is to document. And in documenting aggressions and bullying from physicians, you have set a paper trail Mm -hmm. to say, I have tried to correct this behavior over a period of days, weeks, months, and sometimes years. Wow. Right. And be sure that what you're documenting isn't emotional. Right. I've been on the other end of that also. If you have a disagreement of opinion, is that considered bullying? These are tricky times. Hmm. These are tricky times. Right. So you want to make sure that you are clear and concise and to the point. Yeah. So that you can set your boundaries and be able to say, I will not tolerate abuse in the workplace, period. There's a line in the sand there. Yep. Yeah. So to reiterate, top tips for a healthy nurse OB relationship and dealing with friction. Yeah. Number one, know your chain of command. Know, um, you know, who's for you, who's going to help you out in a time where there's friction, your charge nurse, your manager, director. Number two, have a conversation with the doctor. Always, yes. And make it clear. Um, state your concerns. And step three, or tip three, bring another nurse with you or your charge nurse, or manager, someone to perhaps mediate the conversation or just mm-hmm. be a witness. Absolutely. To your attempts to communicate. And then tip four, document everything. I'm Elizabeth Baker Wade. I am a labor and delivery nurse, registered nurse, birth educator, and podcaster. My birth education classes are concentrated on how to have a better hospital birth and high-risk pregnancy. What's high risk? What does that mean? High risk are moms who are experiencing histories of chronic hypertension, pregnancy-induced hypertension, we call that preeclampsia, insulin-dependent diabetes, infertility, and other comorbidities in their pregnancy, which bump them into a higher-risk category. Mm. Why do you like to teach about high-risk pregnancies? Because there's going to be more interventions often in the high-risk mom. And getting familiar with the vernacular and understanding the risk-benefit of these interventions and why your obstetrician is going to bring them up and getting prepared for what's going to happen in the hospital, I think can really greatly reduce fear and anxiety and 
a lot of moms out there have comorbidities these days. It's true. We need to help them out on their way. Making peace with intervention when necessary helps for a better, smoother labor and delivery. I think. How can someone sign up for your class? They can go to birthandbeyond.net. You can email me at liz at birthandbeyond.net. I will respond within 24 hours. All my schedules, fees, and times are on my website. I also have a consultation membership and a text me anything membership for a month at a time where I will answer as many texts as you need for questions that come up out of the blue. Lots of texts come after the appointment, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I just had an appointment with my LB and I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm at birthandbeyond.net. Now, you also have some key phrases that are really helpful. And can you share that with our nurses? Just things that are clear that this is your boundary. Yeah. And you have dignity. You know your value. You know yeah. your worth. And you're making that clear to someone who's yeah, not treating you that I mean, way. Sometimes when I hear these things and when I'm saying them, they can sound patronizing and just like, ugh, it sounds like somebody wrote that out. But you're upset. But I can't continue the conversation if you're yelling or threatening me. Love it. And I have said that to an obstetrician. Mm -hmm. Like, if you call me every 15 minutes and you're dogging me and yelling at me and you're angry and it's like, I'm no longer, but you are welcome to talk to my charge nurse if you'd like. But I've set my boundaries and I cannot Mm -hmm. continue the conversation. Mm -hmm. And then go up the chain of command. Like yeah. I said before. And say, I'm going to need to go up the chain of command. Yeah, right? you're going to be very clear. I, clear. And, the, and the, I always invite, I mean, I make it sound like it happens all the time. It's one or two physicians out of a multitude of physicians. It's always going to be that in every setting. Right. Not just my setting, but it's going to be, you know. Yep. These are the boundaries that I've set. These are the things that I need from you in order to do my job. And you're not providing me with that. And you're making my job hard mm. you're unnecessarily. And so I need to set in motion some set of standards. Yeah. Yeah. I think another one, you briefly went over this, but saying I'm concerned about our patient Absolutely. right now and saying our patient because mm-hmm. it's both of your patient. Sure. I'm concerned about our patient and we need to work together to figure this out. Yeah. Or I think that when you did X, Y, Z, Mm-hmm. That was harmful to the patient, harmful to me, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Using those key phrases. It can be tricky. Yeah. Very yeah. tricky. Thank you for sharing your experience. And we hope this is helpful for the nurses who listen to this podcast. And even if you're not a nurse, but you yeah. work with um, many other people and not, you know, you're not an entrepreneur by yourself, <laughs> working by yourself. This is the toughest part of nursing. It, yeah. This is the tough of, I mean, I watch young Ladies, predominantly, because I work in labor and delivery. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying ladies, women, they, whatever your pronoun is. I am amazed at these young people. Mm -hmm. They're smart. They're educated. And I'm really feeling like some of these young people are setting their boundaries quite early. Yeah. Especially because we have a culture of traveling nurses. Mm. Nurses don't feel like they have to stay. Right. They're like, I'm going to be out of here in four weeks. Yeah. Like I I don't need to make friends. Right. (laughs) I can I can move around. I don't have to. 
I don't have to tolerate right. you know, A, B, and C. But we want them to stay. You know, I want yeah. young nurses to stay and not leave the profession. So therefore, you have to learn a set of skills. Yep. A very good set of skills. And that's how to take care of yourself and set your boundaries. That's true. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for listening to our podcast Thanks, today. everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz, and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.